grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied to each and every one of you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week and this week, the Gospel reading's focus is on John the Baptist. And rightly so. John was a unique servant of the Lord and an important Advent person. The son of Zechariah and Elizabeth fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. Indeed, God had promised through Isaiah the prophet that he would send a messenger who would prepare the way for the Messiah, the promised Savior of the world. And the voice crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord! was none other than John the Baptist. Of course, we recall that John dressed uniquely. He wore a camel's hair robe and a leather belt. He also had an interesting diet. He spurned prime rib and lobster for grasshoppers and wild honey. An interesting choice. John's life in the wilderness was ascetic, austere, harsh. His lifestyle could be more different from the kind of overindulgence that most Americans associate with John's lifestyle, you see, was counter-cultural. And so was his message. He preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John called sin, sin. He proclaimed the truth that all, yes, all people have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and desperately need God's forgiveness. He called all people to repentance and faith. Repent, he said. Turn from following after the ways of our sin-fallen world. Turn from your sinful lifestyle. Confess your sins, John said. Come to God in repentance, in sorrow over sin. Cry out, Lord, be merciful to me, sinner that I am. Forgive me, a poor, miserable sinner who sins against you by thoughts, and words and deeds by my commission, the things that I do wrong according to your holy law, and by my omission, the things that I fail to do that you require. Yes, John was a proclaimer of repentance and faith. 
but that's not all. And that brings us to tonight's text. St. John points out, the Gospel writer St. John, he points out that the priests and Levites asked John the Baptist five times, five times, who are you? And John witnessed faithfully each and every time. He refused to take any glory, repeatedly shifting the focus away from himself. He denied that he was the Christ. He denied that he was Elijah. He denied that he was the promised prophet from Deuteronomy. In fact, John the Baptist apparently didn't even consider himself a person. All he considered himself was a voice. He says, I'm a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. But as that voice foreseen by Isaiah, John was faithful. He was faithful to his calling. He was a faithful witness to the light, to Jesus Christ. My friends, do you know, do you know what the single most important job of an eyewitness is to not talk about yourself, to get out of the way and keep the focus on the light, Jesus Christ. And John Baptist did that job very, very well. My friends, the point of our text today is that John the Baptist's greatest asset was his finger. That's right. John's finger is why Jesus said that among those born of women, there has not appeared anyone greater than John the Baptist. That's found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. Why did Jesus say that? There was no one greater than John the Baptist. He said that because no one before John had a finger like his. Not because it was sticky with honey and covered with locust guts. Okay? No. But because no one before John the Baptist had ever pointed to that lowly carpenter, Jesus of Nazareth, as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. No one before John the Baptist had been able to personally point to Jesus as the source of forgiveness, life, and salvation. 
You see, there is hope and joy on this third weekend in Advent when we light the candle of joy. There's hope and joy in John the Baptist, not because of who he is, but because of who he points to. Jesus Christ. Now, perhaps an illustration will help. My friends, there is a very interesting painting. Oh, there it is. That painting is at the Unterlinden Museum at Calvar Alsace in France. Has anyone ever seen it face-to-face? Anyone? No? Okay. That painting is called the Eisenheim piece. It is a beautiful piece of art painted by Matthias Grunewald depicting the crucifixion. Okay? At the center, you see Christ on the cross. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is shown to his right. That would be our left. Collapsing, Mary is collapsing in the arms of John the Evangelist, the beloved disciple of Jesus. Next to Mary, on the ground, is Mary Magdalene, praying on her knees. However, at Christ's left, that would be your right. You see someone who apparently is out of place. Someone who doesn't belong in that scene. John the Baptist. With a lamb at his feet. John, you probably remember, was killed. He was beheaded by the order of Herod during the time of Jesus' ministry. He could not have possibly witnessed the death of Jesus Christ. But he's there in the painting. And next to his right shoulder, in Latin, you can't see it very well, are these words. He must increase, but I must decrease. One more detail about John. He's portrayed with a large index finger pointing to Christ on the cross. My friends, historically, John the Baptist is out of place in that painting. But from a theological point of view, He's standing in exactly the right place. His index finger doesn't leave any doubts why he should be there. John came to bear witness about the light so that all might believe through John had a big index finger pointing to 
the Christ, the one whom he called the Lamb of God, because it was all about Jesus. And at this moment, the crucifixion is really the moment John was pointing to all along. It was all about Jesus and him crucified. And still today, the Christian message, the Christian message is all about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's why here at Trinity, at the front of our sanctuary, we have the crucifix. Designed by Strovich. Yeah. You see, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, who came to save sinners like you and you and you and me by living a perfect life, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, bringing us reconciliation with our Heavenly Father. Trusting in Jesus Christ, we can know our sins are forgiven. We're at peace with God. We have a home in heaven, not built by human hands. If you have a guilty conscience, if you are troubled by sin, confess your sins. Repent. Turn to Jesus. In his blood there is forgiveness, life, and salvation. You see, that's why Christians celebrate the Lord's Supper. Because Jesus comes to us in with and under bread and wine, gives us his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins and the promise of everlasting life in heaven. Christmas is all about the celebration of the birth of a baby. That God took on human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus lived a perfect life, grew, and then took all our sins on himself, died for us, and won for us forgiveness and eternal life. John and you and I now have a job. It's this. Use our index finger to point people to Jesus. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, who himself said, I am the light of the world. We living in the darkness of sin have hope because of Jesus, who is the light of the world. May that bring peace, hope, and joy this advent and all this.